podcast listeners and welcome back to the western reviews podcast or if you're new welcome to the podcast in general i'm the ever so monotonous host western wonder and today i'll be reviewing a well-known horror flick from way back in the 80s now before this review starts i want to briefly plug my previous reviews from last week those reviews being beetlejuice and dracula this is week two out of four in halloween month so there's plenty of movie reviews to come four more films as a matter of fact so stay tuned for those Without further ado, let's get right on to the review, shall we? Today's review will be the OG version of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, the roots of this film stems back to the early days of filmmaker Wes Craven. Various aspects of the film have been based on memories and moments Craven had during his childhood and adulthood, down from the music to the scenery to the villain himself. Writing for the film, also done by Craven, eventually happened three years before official filming and before its release date, and the script was pitched to various studios. Disney showed interest at first, but would only agree to produce and distribute the film if it was toned down for a younger audience, but obviously this was declined by Craven. Paramount turned it down due to similarities with another horror film production at the time, and Universal turned it down due to the mix of negative response from the script. New Line Cinema, which at the time all the distributed films not produced, finally picked the film up. Even though the film would obviously be made, there were budget issues with Moonline as they were independent and didn't have any successful films at the box office prior to picking up Elm Street. However, various American companies and international investors would pitch in the film's budget and would get the production moving. The film would be filmed over the summer of 1984 and would have set for a release of November 9th that same year, over a week after Halloween. The film would be very successful for Moonline, making over $25 million in the US alone and $57 million worldwide. Critical responses range from mixed to mostly positive, with most of the praise going towards the storyline of fantasy and reality, and most of the negatives were pointed towards the characteristics of the lead character's family. The film also received two Saturn Award nominations and two foreign awards. With this information aside, let's get into the story of the film. Oh, and one warning. Spoilers are imminent, so you've been warned. The movie starts with a young girl named Tina Gray, played by Amanda Weiss walking through a boiler room. Nothing seems so suspicious, right? Right? Wrong. In comes this disfigured, creepy-looking man sporting a glove clustered with knife blades. As soon as this man catches up with her, poof, it's all just a dream. Obviously, she screams for this nightmare, her mother comes to her room to check on her. While looking around, she notices four slashes on her daughter's nightgown. Obviously, this gets the Oh, everything will be fine, sweetheart. Just get some rest, okay? kind of reaction. The next morning, upon telling her nightmare story, she is surprised to hear that her boyfriend Rod, played by Nick Corey, best friend Nancy, played by Heather Langenkamp, and her boyfriend Glenn, played by some scrub named Johnny Depp, who I heard they picked up from a bowling alley at the last minute, have been experiencing nightmares as well. Now, while the gals are upfront about their nightmares, the guys are more hesitant in revealing theirs. To keep her safe, Nancy and Glenn decide to keep court over at Tina's house, with Rod surprising them later at night. While Tina and Rod have evening plans which include shaking the sheets, Nancy doesn't want to feel such temptations, so she and her boyfriend Glenn split up in different rooms. Now while things seem all bliss in the night as everyone sleeps, things go awry quickly. In Nancy's room, the walls start to cave in as a creature peers at her and a cross falls into her bed. And when she wakes up, the creature's gone. Meanwhile, in Tina and Rod's room, Tina is lured to the backyard by that same man from earlier, and with the viewers can now see his entire body. 
He sports not just that knife blade glove, but a fedora and a red and green striped sweater. The man plays around with Tina, making distractions from his escape. Ultimately, she's dreaming once again, but this time she can't wake up. This commotion wakes everyone up, but the damage is done. After being slashed by the hideous man, who no one can ever see other than the victim, which gives the reality of the scene being reminiscent of a possession, Tina dies from the wounds. Nancy heads straight over to the police station, where she explains what she witnessed back at Tina's house with the mother, played by Ronnie Blakely, at her side. She speaks with her father, played by John Saxon, who's also the lieutenant at the station that split up from her mother given the hostile and low-key nature between the two. What comes of the case, and this doesn't come as a surprise, is that Rod is the suspected murderer, but Nancy knows that he couldn't have done the killing, despite him having a wild boy reputation. The next morning, Nancy walks to her school when she's suddenly pulled through some bushes by a frantic Rod on the run from the feds. He begs and pleads for her to believe that he's innocent, but before any conversation continues, the police arrive, catches Rod, and arrests him. Furious that she was used to finding Rod and his whereabouts, Nancy refuses to answer any of her father's questions and continues her walk to school. The day continues with more frights for Nancy. While studying in school, she falls asleep and suddenly has a vision of her old friend Tina, in a body bag filled with blood, speaking to her from the hallway. However, the body bag is taken away and Nancy is chastised by a hall monitor woman for not having a pass. Nancy ignores her and turns away, but hears the hall monitor speak in a masculine tone, and is also sporting a knife blade glove. We ultimately end up right where Tina had her dream in the beginning of the film. A boiler room, where Nancy is trapped at. The hideous man taunts her yelling, Come to Freddy. <laughs> and as he makes his slasher move, the girl intentionally lands her arm on a hot steel pipe, immediately waking her up. Freaked out by this dream, she leaves school to visit Rod in prison, where he finally confirms to her that he's been having similar nightmares. Later in the evening, Nancy falls asleep while taking a bath in the tub and is dragged underwater by this Freddy guy, where she almost ends up drowning to death. To stay up longer, she turns to caffeine as an outlet while also utilizing Glenn's presence to watch over her while she sleeps. However, she has another traumatizing dream where Freddy plans to kill Rod next. Her alarm clock wakes her up out of her dream and realizes that Glenn was asleep as well, chastising him for not following her instruction. The two head over to the police station to check up on Rod, but due to the banter between the two and Nancy's father, Rod is killed by Freddy after using the bed sheets and wrapping him around like a noose, hanging him, though to the authorities it looks like a death by suicide. After attending Rod's funeral, Nancy's family is concerned about her well-being after she continues to talk about Freddy, a guy that they can't see. Her mother takes her to a clinic to treat her sleep disorder, and during another dream, she ends up taking Freddy's hat where it's revealed that his last name is Kruger. So we now know his full name, Freddy Kruger, who's played by Robert England. Nancy's mother, who turns out to be an alcoholic, barricades their home and tells Nancy a story about Kruger. According to her, he was a child murderer, or nearly according to the original script that was changed, a child molester, who was burned alive from the parents of the kids he killed in the neighborhood. Bitter and angry about his death, he haunts the souls of kids in the form of a ghost as a way to get back at all the parents or grandparents in the neighborhood. In a flash, Nancy tries to reach out to Glenn by calling him, but he isn't answering and instead is told off by his father to never speak to him again for a while. It turns out that Glenn is fast asleep and is ultimately sucked into his bed where he's killed by Freddy in a very gory sequence. Now while his death is being investigated, Nancy puts up her mother to sleep and calls her father asking him to have his squad on standby in a few moments. She sets up house traps, predating the Home Alone style, and manages to drag Freddy into the real world. She has more leverage over him as he obviously can't do any of his ghastly tricks in the real world, and ultimately sets him on fire and knocks him down to the basement. The police immediately make it over to the home only to find out that Freddy broke out of the basement. 
Nancy and her father rush upstairs to find Freddy still on fire with her terrified mother in bed. Her father manages to put the fire out, but Freddy and her mother are sucked into the bed and they disappear. In confusion, Nancy's father leaves the room and the girl realizes that the only way to get rid of Kruger at this point is to not be afraid of him. Mid-attack, Kruger evaporates and is therefore thwarted. Or is he? The movie ends with Nancy and her mother embracing outside in the midst of bright morning fog before she goes to school, and as she gets into a convertible with her friends, the car's top, which resembles Kruger's sweater, abruptly comes down, and locks everyone in as they drive down the street. As Kruger's nursery rhyme can be heard, Nancy's mother is grabbed by the monster through the front door window. And a funny bit happens here. If you play close attention, the mother's body turns into a rag doll. An actual rag doll as a stunt woman. Can you believe it? But I'm giving the movie folks a pass on this as the film's budget was incredibly small. So anyways, my thoughts on the movie are this. It's an absolutely well done horror flick. With realistic visuals and a storyline that plays with your head on what isn't real and how it can become real, the film takes you in for an interesting ride that makes you go, hmm, or wow. The performances down from the young and the old, especially Robert England's captivating Freddy Krueger role, is something that shouldn't be ignored. And the music, done by Charles Bernstein, is terrific by fitting the overall tone of the film. Now I wonder what the sequels are like. Eh, probably not as good as they could be, but they could surprise me whenever I get to watching them. Anyways, the film is great. Check it out this Halloween if you have never seen it. Or if you have seen it, watch it again. And remember, that's the OG version, not the uh, other version that came out about a decade ago. I'm the Western Wonder, and next week we have more blood incoming in the form of Carrie. <laughs> There's lots of buzz to go around this month, you know? Until then, don't forget to check out my other reviews and download, stream, and follow the show. And stay tuned for more, and I'll see you folks in podcast land later. Western Wonder out and don't forget me foe freddy krueger might be in your neck of the woods this weekend if you do not listen to the western reviews podcast watch your neck or i may slash it <laughs>